Welcome to the BridgeWatch Podcast, bringing you up to speed on all things innovation in the shipbuilding and marine industry. My name is William and my job is to provide shipbuilders with innovative tools to increase their productivity. My name is Winston. I'm the co-host along with William and I've been in the marine industry for 26 years. Teach naval architecture at the Marine Institute in St. John's, Newfoundland. And I do marine consulting work, helping companies build better ships faster. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys. This episode of Bridgewatch is brought to you by Enelf Marine, providing shipbuilding software and expert advice to enhance your value stream. Whether you're a shipbuilder, ship owner, or designer, give your team a competitive advantage. Visit enelfmarine.com and let us help you build better ships faster. Welcome to today's podcast. Um, today right. uh, yep. we will talk about uh, shipbuilding tools. So, um, as you know, shipbuilding tools are evolving, and the paradigm of these tools are evolving too. And how can yeah, a design office department keep up with that new technology evolving in that new world where we live in? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, it's changing faster than ever. Like if we if we go back to when it was drafting boards, yeah. it was drafting boards for decades and decades, right? And now we're at the point where every, gosh, every five or five years or so, there's a new tool on the market that's going to revolutionize right. how we do things. And so as soon as we moved over to the digital world, it seemed like the, the pace of change just uh, just sped up. And in some ways, I, you know, I think, well, it's, it's it's a good thing. And in other ways, you know, like you said, how can how can a shipyard design office or a or a design agent, you know, keep up? I mean, we don't have an un unlimited amount of money and time to invest. And so it, it sometimes it's really a struggle it, and it's particularly a struggle. It's not so like tools. I find it's easy for easier for us to get our heads wrapped around what a new tool might do yep. than it is to look at a completely new way of designing because we all went to school. You know, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast went to school to learn how to design. And, you know, we have that way set in our heads and how we were taught and then, you know, we're out in industry for 5, 10, 15 years, and all of a sudden there's like a brand new way to look at the, you That's know, right. the design spiral still yep. kind of works. But, I mean, you're, we're talking digital twin, prototype, and all of these these tools and how they translate into the shop floor and so on. And we have things like, uh, for example, um, uh, one of the new ones is tools built to work in the cloud. I mean, we we all we're all familiar with the cloud, right? I mean, when you when you take a picture on your iPhone, uh, you know, it gets stored on your phone, but it, you know, it's also stored in the cloud. And right. yes, the cloud is somebody else's computer. But the 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 cool thing about it is is that. Uh, you know, you have access to it wherever you go, right? So it doesn't matter where you're working. Uh, you can share that file with anyone and they can access it whatever time they want. You know, it's not sitting on your computer at home or at the office, right? So That's right. that computer can be shut off and you can still have access to it. But I think what is cool is that we're starting to build tools now that actually operate in the cloud. So not only are we able to store files like using 
auto, you know, Autodesk's vault or, or a PLM tool yep. uh, in the cloud. But we're also like, there's, there's a company, well, software as a service is becoming a thing. And oh, yeah. uh, a company called Onshape has uh, created a tool that actually works in the cloud. So you basically open up a browser and, uh, you know, y- you don't have to download anything. You don't have to, cr- you know, open up AutoCAD or, or the modeler that's sitting on your computer at your office or at home. But you actually just open up a browser and you can open up a browser on any device uh, and you can start designing using the, the web browser, right? So, mm-hmm. so it has uh, the way Onshape works is, you know, all of the tools are, are built right into the browser and uh, there's all kinds of benefits of being able to do that. You know, um, across all platforms, the, the experience is the same. Uh, so, I mean, it, there's, again, it's, it's just another one of those things that, you know, on the one hand, you go as as a user, you go, oh man, there's something else we got to learn. That's right. But but on the other hand, it's an exciting time too, because the tools are just getting so sophisticated and mature, and the uh, the the availability is just you know it's unsurpassed, right? We can open up a browser on a on a mobile device and do CAD work or design work from a mobile device. Like that's crazy, right? It used to be that, you know. 20, 30 years ago, you needed a high-end Sparks workstation to, right. to get any work done, or a Sun workstation, and now you can do uh, design work on a uh, almost on a on a tablet. You know, uh, if you have a decent enough tablet, you can totally do design work on a tablet, right? Which is uh, which is cool. And it's also like it's more flexible for specialists, like you say, but it's also like tools are more built a way where there's non-specialists that can play with it and they can do some design. Yeah, exactly. We, we were talking about this the other day. The, the um, you know, if we think about simulation tools, uh, f- for example, um, there, there's a company, uh, Cymerics, and they make uh, computational fluid dynamics okay. software. And of course, you know, in naval architecture, we use that all the time uh, f- for testing hulls and, and other stuff that we want to see how the fluid flows around certain things, what kind of lift is produced and, and that kind of thing. And so, like, it used to be that it was... Um, you know, we'd design a hull, we'd spend all kinds of time fairing it, and and eventually it would end up in the hands of like a, a PhD, right? Yep. Who would who would take the the you know would mesh it, turn it into whatever they needed to, and then they, they would you know bring it to a, a specialist computer that had 30 CPUs or, or, or a server bank. And, you know, we'd wait for days for it to do us to, to, to do one solution for one speed. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, but it's, it's getting to the point where like uh, Cymerics, when, when they're putting their, uh, when they were putting their software together, they really were thinking that, okay, we want to put these tools, uh, make these tools useful for, for non-specialists. So, uh, they've they've made you know templates and things like that and, and they've actually built it into uh, you know um, Orca 3D right that that uh, that works in uh, inside of Rhino it's a plugin for Rhino there you go yep. so the yeah the CFD the CFD software there uh, is actually Cymerics and and it, it's des- it's designed for non specialists and the purpose is so that you can do CFD uh, testing earlier in the design process right so rather than spending you know hundreds of hours designing and fairing a hull. You can do a quick test early, get results back early. The interpretation of the results is reasonable, and and so it's really kind of the democratization of uh, of these high end specialist tools. And uh, 
Yeah, and yeah. visual programming is is similar. You know, like like Grasshopper, right? It, yeah. You know, it used to be that you had you had to know a programming language in order to be able to 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 to, to program inside of a, a piece of software. But Grasshopper is like visual programming. You're you're dragging down these functions and you're connecting right. them. You know, the input of one to the output of the other, or the output of one to the input of the other, rather. And so it's these kinds of tools that uh, that are coming along and and making it. Uh, uh, you know, it's good on the one hand because, uh, of course, we have to. Um, uh, uh, we we, we uh, they're easier to use. Yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, it's uh, you know we have to learn how to use them, right? So we yeah. have to get away from the older tools and, and learn these new tools. And what I like um, um, with all that is that we're keeping up, right? The industry is keeping up with the technology yeah. that are out there. Like we said, tools are evolving, and we'll talk a little bit more on how are we keeping up but what i like is that the industry is um jumping on these things like for example these are simulation tools for non-specialists and there's a lot out there like for example i as people um probably know or or not i'm a big uh, football fan and we play Mm -hmm. fantasy football which is you have some players and you and it's crazy how much like um they do a lot of simulation, so you're able to really know like okay. what the player will do this week. They're 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 matching it up. Like, okay, what's the defense of the other team look like, and what is the the so so they're able to do a lot of simulation. And there's a lot there's tools out there that you can compare players, and they just give it to you, right? So the, these are things like if you go back like um, even like ten years back. You wouldn't be able to, to, to know like what player would do what. And I'm just a guy sit down in his basements watching football and I'm able to predict like who's going to be the best one this week, right? So how so how are they how are they it's digital tools I guess and they're taking the stats of the players and they're yep. they're they're basically uh, pitting one player against another player or they're taking all the stats from all the players on a team and and just basically running it through a digital simulation to see how this, these players might do against another team another simulated team is that how this is working It's for, for because you have a bunch of positions so for example we have like receivers right. and what they do is they say you have the stats of that player uh, so they they're able to say okay that player usually do that amount of points and he's uh, playing this week against the um, the last the the last defense in the league in terms of points so that because that that defense for example is uh, the one that allowed the most against um, receivers right so you're able to see a bunch of these things um, and it's crazy how much like uh, it, it, like we uh, we talked about AI and optimization. Um, they, mm-hmm. I think they have a GPS in their uh, in their helmet because you know like when no. you're watching it, you you know on field, off field, on field, off field, and it's it's automatic, right? You see on the TV, the guys just jump on the field, and you see on your phone, it, it green on field, right? Uh, and it okay, calculates the points. So to me, I think. With the age we're at, I don't think it's someone that's looking at the the, the game and just like, oh, he's on the field and just going right. in the app. I'm pretty sure that's all automated, right? And yeah, it's the I, same, I would uh, think so. Yeah, yeah. So before before that, it was all done on paper, or like was this done before digital and, and b- before artificial intelligence, or how was it done before? I don't know about like fantasy football itself, but right. I know like. Uh, sure. 
Aki pools, for example. Um, yeah. That I know that um, the, the, there's some journals that were doing some competition, and you you just you have magazines. So I know, like I recall my father a couple of years ago, he had two magazines. Every start, he, and he has his two magazines, and then he printed one out off and. He wrote it like he did an average of the two magazines. So, for example, the magazine is predicting that that player is going to do that much. Uh, so he was comparing the two magazines and with having an average between specialists from here in Montreal and specialists from people in Toronto, then he was able to to, to have a right average. And that's how he was picking player, right? Um, so it was right. done all done on paper with magazines, right? Uh, yeah. So that's going back 10 years ago and after that like all put that in an excel spreadsheet and like uh, but now it's you get tools out there to do that so yeah yeah well and of course you know like you were saying about artificial intelligence i mean that's evolving in naval architecture and design as well right oh I yeah mean, yeah big you time. can so definitely we're, we're getting... uh, like it's allowing teams to um take more um, informed decision when the early in the design phase like when we look at uh, the, the like the the phases uh, to design a ship you get concept design basic design functional and detail design and the decision yeah. you take very early and concept and basic design these decisions will follow you all the way at the end right so they they yeah, will exactly. they will affect big time so you need to have more these tools allowing us to take more informed decision early and yeah. afterwards when we're stuck with these decisions then we need to have a tool out there that can do some change management so i'm i was looking at some right. tools um and there's napa that allow you to do some ai like on the whole early in the design to be able to take better decision early and afterwards when you arrive with a tool like ship constructor at the end doing detailed design you need to have a, they have a bunch of things there to allow you to change management so if you need to yeah. change something back at the detailed design how can we bring that up uh, so that's a bunch of tools out there that allow you to do some um some change management and while i'm thinking about ship constructor i won't do a sales pitch here but i wanted to talk a little <laughs> bit in terms of uh ai there's a, something in these tools um that to me is really um like the clash detection for example that you arrive with your right. pipe and uh it, it's crazy how much like that that's allowing us to do better, right? It's some, it's something in the background, some optimization in the tool, um, and the simulation that allow you to see, like, how will it go in the real world? And and if I take that for example, and I shift to, um, we arrive with clash detection. If we shift to, uh, like, what the paradigm is evolving. Mm-hmm we're able to reuse all that data so we're able to do some design and then look at what it's going to look like at the end like um billing information modeling like b bim right that uh they, they use a lot in the um the billing industry and in the marine industry we're going with the mim marine information model uh which will allow you to do 
to better. Um, but yeah, that the paradigm's evolving. We're able to see more. Um, we're, we're able to to have more capability, and uh, at the end of the day, that's on the shop floor that it's uh, improving, right? Yeah, exactly. Like so, if we if we think about if we go back to. Uh, we go back to the drawing board, like, yeah. you know, back to when it was all done on paper. Uh, there was no really single source of truth, right? You right. know, it was, all, the, the truth was distributed among hundreds of drawings. Yeah. And then, so, and then over time we were able to bring these things together. Well, at first we, we were really just, when CAD came online, when, you know, back in the eighties and maybe before that as well, uh, when when CAD started to come online, basically we, we we kept the same paradigm at first, but the tools opened up the ability for us to think about it differently. Right now, it was like, okay, f- for right now we're drafting, but then but then the tool developers started to give us the ability to to model the 3D model, yep. and we're at the place now where, just like you said, like in in a ship constructor model or, or a CADmatic model, we can have a single source of truth that everybody can pull from and we can reuse that data. And uh, yeah, so, so definitely the, the way that we design things are, are, are changing. And even what you mentioned earlier about uh, artificial intelligence. I mean, we, we always think of artificial intelligence as this sort of, you know, general artificial intelligence, yeah. you know, the robots are going to take over the world, but it's <laughs> not really that. I mean, if we can figure out a way, like, I mean, sh- ship design and shipbuilding is about iterative optimization and if we can use these tools to help us uh, iterate much faster and right. optimize much faster, yep. we can, we, you know, our designs will certainly get better from that, right? And that's helping the paradigms uh, evolve. But, but you know, at the same time, what I mentioned earlier about the the simulation tools for for non specialists, you know, putting those tools in the hands of of non specialists and allowing those things to happen earlier in the design phase and earlier in the design process again. Uh, certainly is 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 a change in how, you know looking at how the design process happens right because again rather than spending those hundreds of hours ferrying out a hull then giving it to the specialist and then the specialist runs through all of those tools right and then comes back to you and says you know you need to this needs to be better right we need right. to lower the resistance oh, by yeah. whatever you know yeah. you know now we can do it much quicker because again the tools are faster and they're in the hands of a lot more people you know like That's there's right. a lot more non-specialists and specialists of course right so again the uh, I, I keep using the example of, of CFD but it's a um, it's, it's just just one of the examples of of the the way that even the way that we look at design is changing right and I'll also offer the idea of the digital prototype like the idea of building the the entire digital version of the ship first yeah. is a is a huge change and in, in, is a huge paradigm shift right you know building it all digitally working out all a lot of the bugs uh, early in the design process and then building the physical asset right and uh and and the the other thing too about the the paradigm shift is just the amount of data, the, I, I think I read uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago that the amount of data that's, or the amount of knowledge that's uh, uh, coming out in the world is basically doubling at the moment mm-hmm. every 13 months. Every 13 months, we have double the amount of knowledge or data that, that we had as the species, human species yeah, yeah, yeah. than we did 13 months previous, right? So the question is, uh, how do we take all this data 
and and make it useful like how do we put and we're still figuring that out right and uh, we're figuring it out and so i i, I remember reading about this uh, this i used to work at a, a company called napa as you know and they had this really uh, cool product called uh, it was a fleet intelligence product and one of the things that they're 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 doing with all of this data that they're collecting is uh, looking at uh, at steel fatigue right in ships right because that's that's kind of a big deal you know we have constant hogging and sagging all the time right and of course that that fatigues the metal all these cycles millions of cycles you can imagine over a 30-year lifespan of of a physical asset but we've always talked about the the digital twin or the you know the digital asset living the same life as the physical asset and how do we make that happen yeah well now that we can put we can put strain gauges on steel and we can do all kinds of things to kind of collect all of that data. But one of the, what, what these guys are doing is they're taking the IAS data, you know, so, which places the ship, its name at a, and at a, at a particular geographic position. And then they can look at the, the, the wave spectra or the wave statistics in that uh, region. And they can kind of extrapolate how much, how many cycles that the, the, uh, the ship will actually go through. Right collect all that data and apply it to the digital twin and they can kind of predict how much uh, uh, fatigue life is left in the steel, right? And like even 10 years ago, we had no hope of being able to guess how yeah. much fatigue life we had we had left in steel, right? So so there's a, a whole lot more data out there and, and I'm sure, you know, I'm totally butchering the explanation and the, the guys who, the, the PhDs that came up with this are just, you know, wringing their hands going, oh, Winston, no, that's not, but it's 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 something like that. And yeah. so all, all of this data that we're, we're collecting, uh, we're, we're figuring out ways to, to, to put it to good use, but Man, there is a mountain of data out there, right? Oh and, yeah. And so, the, the the question is, like you said earlier, like how do we keep up with all of these changes? Like how does a a, a poor engineering manager or you know senior <laughs> naval architect or how are how are shipyards and how are they they keeping up with all of this uh, all of these paradigm changes and and having to well have to, having to be competitive, right? How, how does yeah. how does a company maintain its competitive advantage? I don't know. What do you think? And yeah, let me just go back uh, for a second. Like what, sure. Uh, yeah. When we were prepping for this, I found very interesting when I asked you, like in terms of steel fatigue. How were we doing that in the past? How would and like you said, never like we never did we that in the doing past. It. Yeah, that's right. right. So it's crazy, yeah. like the amount of um, we, we're thinking about technology to solve a specific problem and to. But there's we can also look at it in the way of like, okay, we can improve so much without not fixing that s- small problem, but improve so much in the big picture using that data. So yeah, that I found very interesting. And um, yeah, back to your question. So uh, yeah, they, they need to keep up, keep up and how do they keep up? Uh, there's multiple things that allow them to, to keep up. The first thing is that when they make an investment in technology, everyone needs to squeeze everything out of the current tool, right? Uh, yeah. There's Absolutely, the trap yeah. of like, okay, right. w- the tool's not working well for me. Um, well, do you need training? Who, who? How much time I heard like, oh no, I, I don't need training. Um, or when I implement the tool, um, like I'm implementing the tool and I have issues. Okay, do you have the right process for that tool? Like, like we say, Right. People, process, and technology. Do you have first the right people, then 
yep. the right pr- process and after that the technology uh so same same here like with uh within our business we're growing and we we want to keep we want to put uh we want to, to gather all the data we can. However, before that, we need to have the right people in place, which is not easy. Uh, sometimes it's, yeah, you're doing through iteration. And after that, you need with these people, you need to put a process that makes sense for everyone. And after that, you yeah. can have a technology to, to, to allow you to keep up, right? Um, so yeah, I think yeah. that's kind of where... Um, it's hard for uh, businesses to keep up. It's because uh, like if they jump in right in the technology and there's not the process or anything well taught out uh, before, that's where um, you can go in a rabbit hole just with the tool. And one last thing I will mention on like having using everything from that tool um gathering the much value benefit from each tool is that they're evolving it's not one-time yeah. implementation every that's tools right. out there that's uh, they're all evolving we talked about a few today but there's definitely more uh so how how to keep up is to me like to, to make sure that um and there's a bunch of our customers that do it to make sure that uh, every few years, even every year, uh, you look at your tool and you're like, okay, no, I'm. is there a better way to do this and do that and look at what the tool's doing so then you can evolve with the, with the tool, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I, I can remember. So most of my uh, d- design work has been on the initial design phase. So I've been using right. tools like, you know, MaxSurf and AutoCAD and mm-hmm. Rhino. And every time I do training, like in Rhino as an example, every time I do training, I learn some, some new things about the tool. And, and I, then I think about... I can't believe I've been doing it this way for 10 years when this way is so much faster and so much better and I get so much more out of the tool, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's, to, to, to me, it's just so worth it to, uh, to spend the time uh, uh, doing the training. I mean, the training is not that expensive and you really just get so, so much, uh, so much out of, more out of the tool, right? So yeah. it's, uh, it's good. The, the, the other thing too that, that is um, useful is also really thinking about how you not only you know inside the tool and using the tool but how you string the processes together right how how you look at the uh how you look at your design process your internal design process from whether it's uh, initial design or, or detailed design and you know digital prototyping however you're doing it and being as a company willing to really look hard at uh you know are we still are we doing it the best way? Are there better ways out there? Who who's doing it better than us? Can right. can we can we learn from them? Can we, you know, can we go to you know uh, 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 trade shows and or, or the Snamey convention for example and learn how other people are doing it so that we can adopt new new processes and being willing to evolve rather than just saying well this is the way we've always done it. If if that's kind of your your attitude that this is the way we've always done it, then really your competitors are improving their, not only are they improving their, their knowledge of the tools, but they're improving their design processes too. So, you know, some people are still doing uh, 2d 
scantlings and <laughs> scantling calculations yep. and there are other people who who have are, who are already working on you know evolving their their 3d processes and they leave 2d behind altogether and uh, so so there's just there's just so much uh uh so many so many ways that we can look at uh improving that uh i, I think it's totally worth it for for uh, for not only design management but everybody to really look at the different ways that uh, that design has evolved over the years and continue to continues to evolve right yeah. So that's definitely part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Involving the process and um, to me, and I mentioned a little bit about it earlier, but uh, like most importantly, we need to have an investment in people first, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Need to have the right people in the place, and um, I'm gonna do a, a little shout out to one of our customer. Um, uh, Chantier Naval Forion, CNF, which are in Gaspé, uh, Quebec. They're mm-hmm. they're always looking at their employees, stakeholders, and to, to improve like their everyday process. They're, they invested it in an innovating culture. Uh, they everyone they're, they're yeah. challenging their employees to look at what they do and how can they improve it. And they're the kind of folks that are keeping up with the technology and they're asking so much question that. Yeah, sometimes they say, can I do this? No, but sometimes like because they're asking a lot of questions, it means that they can improve a lot because yes, sometimes figuring out better ways to do it. Yeah, Uh, you need to have that culture to say, okay, let's ask the question like, can I do this? Um, No, okay, well, and can I do this? Yes, you can. Like you can so, you need to don't see the, the... you don't need to see the fact that there's a chance that you won't be able to do it so you don't ask a question you need to say no no but there's a chance i can so even if i say no they call me and will i need to improve this 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 sometimes i say no 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 and sometimes i say yes 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 (laughs) it's mostly like uh not all once (laughs) it's kind of yes no yes no and let me look at it sure yeah but, but what's uh, great is that they're asking the questions, right? There you go. So, so you know that they're thinking. And just like you said, they, they have a culture of improvement, right? And so, right. so you, you can't solve new challenges with old methodologies, right? So you're, 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 the process and, and everything has to evolve together. Your people, your tools, and your processes. It yep. all has to kind of, kind of work together, right? Which is, uh, I think, pretty great. I, I, I also want to give a shout out to, uh, you know, the inspiration for this podcast came from a... Uh, uh, a blog post that was written by uh, Dennis Murray uh, of SSI. What, what was it? Do you remember? Do you recall the, the name of the, it was a, the evolution of uh, engineering, engineering tools, tools. Or, or something? Yeah. Yeah. yeah some, something along those lines. And, and we'll, we'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes so you guys can go find it. But it was, it was just a, a really good uh, blog post. I, I think that he had just come from a, 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 a a conference, like a conference yeah. where yeah it was a conference right where where they had this was one of the things that they they had talked about and he was basically reporting on the things that that he had seen and it's just a it's just a really good article so uh, Dennis uh, shout out to you Th- thanks for uh, thanks for the the inspiration for this uh, for this podcast for sure and uh, th- that's one thing I'll, I'll say about uh, uh, you know some of uh, uh, the people at SSI is they're always, uh, and this isn't a commercial for SSI at all, because I mean, at, at every one of these companies, everybody's always trying to, to push the envelope, including us, right? We're like, we're trying yep. to figure out ways to make shipbuilding better, more efficient and, uh, and all of those things, right? Which is terrific. Yeah. And one last thing, like, uh, before, um, we wrap up, I, I want to, um, 
because I, I want to give you um, the floor to talk a little bit about uh, women in engineering. We're, we're talking about yeah. the, the most important thing is investment in people and uh, women is taking more places in engineering and it's so great. We're seeing a lot of more value from it. So uh, why don't you share a little bit uh, about uh, what you have uh, on your heart uh, on that subject? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I can remember being back in school uh, and, uh, you know, some some of our professors were really old school, like getting close to retirement. And that was in the late 80s, early 90s. And they were very much, you know, women don't belong in engineering. And they, they let the ladies in the class know, you know what I mean? Wh- yeah. Which I think is, wow, I, I can't believe it. And, and I still can't believe it. You know, mm-hmm. how can we possibly have sidelined you know, half of the human (laughs) human species. Well, and more than that too, obviously it's bigger than that, but I'm just talking about gender right now. Right. Um, How could we possibly think that that was a good idea? That's amazing to me. Right. So, so I I think that we're certainly getting better all the time. And uh, of course uh, in, in, in my own house, you know, as you know, I have three daughters and uh, two of them uh, have gone and become uh, software developers. Right. So, so they're, they're living up to exactly, and I'm really proud of them. And uh, so again, for me, it's, it's really important that we make sure that we uh, we, uh, we we give everybody an equal opportunity to uh, to to uh, you know to 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 help us change these paradigms and to right. help us build new tools and yep. and all of these things, right? I mean, mm-hmm. who knows uh, who knows which gender is going to come up with the, the 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 best new tool, right? We we just we don't know. So right. so to me, it's it's really important that we make sure that when we're investing in people, it's uh, it's almost genderless. You know what I mean? That that we that we make sure that. We're we're, uh, we're we're investing in all of our people equally, and uh, yeah. So just a, a shout out to my girls. Uh, good job. You make your dad proud. There you go. Awesome. And then uh, I just want to give everyone an heads up. Uh, we'll have uh, some guests on um, on the upcoming shows. So um, we did uh, now. We had the, the guest with Jagan a um, few weeks uh, prior, uh, and now we did two. Uh, the episode on COVID and this one and afterwards uh, yeah we're looking at a bunch of episodes with a bunch of guests um, people are listening to us and they like what we uh, we say and they're reaching out to uh, speak on the show uh, so if you're part of these people that want to uh, chat with us um, make sure to send us a message so we can bring you on yeah I'd love to have uh, love to have you guys on get your opinion and again the whole idea of our, our podcast is just to, to keep that conversation going to try and improve shipbuilding in Canada and the US and uh, just to, to, to share knowledge uh, among all of us. I mean, Will and I certainly aren't uh, experts at everything. And uh, so we really love having guests on uh, to talk about what they're good at. So awesome. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, you can go to our website, innovmarine.com slash bridgewatch. And uh, we have a space there for you to put comments and questions. Be part of the conversation. We'll see you in two weeks to chat more about the exciting news in our industry, to chat more about what it's coming in terms of innovation, how can we make our industry better. And like Winston said, share our comments there. And who knows, maybe your subject will be the next topic of our show. Thank you and see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks.